we'd like to welcome everybody to the Sober Eating Workshop. Uh, just uh, so you know a little bit about me, I've been abstinent for 12 years. I've lost about 115 pounds in this program. Uh, I was having some trouble with my food and I went to a meeting and heard Adam, who will be speaking next, uh, discuss uh, sober eating. And basically, uh, to paraphrase, he said, it's not just about what we don't eat, it's about how do we eat in sobriety? Are we taking the edge off with food or are we sober with our food? And that message really hit home and I began to work the sober eating program with a group of like-minded individuals in the San Fernando Valley in California. Uh, and the, we have uh, been doing this for, uh, Adam, I guess, has been doing this for well over 10 years. And uh, uh, it is a way to look at food and what we eat, how we eat. Uh, and we do this all through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is an OA-based program, obviously. Uh, and with that, I would like to turn it over to Adam, who will tell you a little bit more about his experience. So, Adam, uh, well, before we do that, though, let me just give you a real quick overview. Adam's going to speak for a few moments in regards to his experience. Then Tim and Ore will lead us through a little bit about what it means to create a sober eating plan. We're going to ask for a volunteer uh, to uh, build a sober eating plan with Tim and Ore in front of the group. And then we'll do breakout groups where everybody who wishes to can come away with a sober eating plan with one of the folks who practice sober eating. So just so everyone knows what the agenda is. And with that, I will turn it over to Adam. Sure. Except that Adam is muted, so we can't hear him. Oh, there we go. Should we do the serenity prayer first? Great idea. Okay. So if you all unmute and please uh, join us in the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, everybody. Welcome. Um, welcome to Sunday, August 29th, 2021. Grateful to say that we've done um, so many of these uh, sober eating um, presentations over the years. And uh, if anybody's confused, uh, you know, that's why we do this. Um, my name is Adam. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I have been abstinent and down between 130 and 135 pounds since uh, my abstinent date is November 30th, 1998. And the spirit of how we do this here is, um, is really about one thing and one thing only is how do you, how do I think back to my experience in Overeaters Anonymous and I was lost. I was lost. I, I, I didn't understand anything you were saying. And I heard so many different things. Uh, and I, I knew that I wanted to fix, and I'm for those listening, I'm, Doing a little quote, I wanted to fix my problem because I thought I could fix my problem. And the reality was, is that I had, I was not awake one iota to what my problem was <laughs> and what my problem is and how to fix it. Of my own devices, I did not know what it means at all to have this problem. <laughs> and I didn't know what the solution was, but I so desperately was looking for ways to fix it. And I came here and I heard a sea, 
I saw a sea of information. There was a sea of information and so many different ideas about what it means to have the problem and what it means to have the solution. And I was so confused. So the spirit of this is I hope I can help anybody. I hope we can be, I hope my message could be helpful. I hope all of our messages could be helpful about how we discovered or how I discovered what it means to be a drug addict with food, what it means to be an alcoholic with food and what the solution is. And um, I know in the beginning, it was so hard for me to launch, to, to find, make a beginning and to understand that. And I'm just going to walk through for a little bit. Um, I'm a guy who, if you're, there are a lot of new people here and what is it? What, what's my story? I love food. I just love food. I love eating food. I love the experience of eating it. I love eating it fast. I love eating a lot of it. I love eating stuff that tastes to me like alcohol tastes to an alcoholic, right? So we could imagine for the most part, that's not lettuce, right? That guy loves alcohol, loves food. And, and when, I'm, when that guy in that picture is eating, he is eating the stuff that, um, and he can't stop. He can't stop eating the things that are good to him, right? And guys like me, right? We like things with sugar. We like things that taste good, that are fried. We like the things that, that give us that great, great effect, right? That, that thing that makes me feel high with food, right? I like that. So if you look at that picture and that guy, right, I eat in a very disturbing way, right? I don't want you to see the full extent of what my disturbing eating is like. And that's been going on. And if you notice, there's a drink in the picture often, right? That's been going on. That had been going on. I was 25, probably in that picture. And that had been going on since I'm a kid. I like finding a way to access as much food as possible and eat it as much as I can, as fast as I can. And I don't want you to see the footage. I don't want you to see the footage. I don't want you to see what it really looks like for me to go to town on food because it's disturbing. And if I put the video on right now and I was watching my young self eating, right, in the way I do, right, even to this day, it would be hard for me to see the footage and it would be hard for me to have you see the footage because it's disturbing. It's disturbing and it's out of control and I can't stop. No matter how much I think I'm going to be able to stop, I can't stop. And I wasn't awake to that one bit. I wasn't awake to the fact that I have a problem where once I start, I can't stop. And I have a brain that tells me that I probably could start. It's not such a big deal. This time it will be different. So if you're new, right, and you want to know what I, what, what, what I wasn't awake to, right, I was not awake to the fact that I had that type of problem. And I always thought this time I'll be able to fix it. So I came to Overeaters Anonymous the first time in the early 90s. And... Um, I had been given direction for somebody, a boss of mine, a, a supervisor, and I couldn't relate. He said, there's a spiritual, there's a spiritual solution there. I didn't know what he was talking about. Somebody said they'd be my, be my sponsor. They, they gave me a big book and I was like, I didn't read it. And I went for a week and I thought those people are angry. 
I don't want to be near them. I don't go to groups. I give groups. So I passed on that time. And then a few years later, you know, a few pounds more, right? Because we always, this, this always got worse for me, never better, right? I went to Overeaters Anonymous in the later mid nineties and in Los Angeles. And um, I didn't relate to the women who were skinny in the room talking about their problems. I was a heavy guy and I didn't relate. And then finally, um, on November 9th, 1998, I came to Overeaters Anonymous because um, I couldn't stop eating. And I thought I had found the solution. I thought I found the best doctor, the best team. And I thought that I finally found the answer. And I found myself in a supermarket buying as much stuff from the bakery goods as possible, going to my car and just devouring it. And it wasn't the worst episode I've ever had, but something happened to me where I said, I can't stop. Came to work the next day. I worked side by side with somebody in Alcoholics Anonymous, who's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. She said to me, what's wrong? She's my mom's age. I don't know why that makes a difference, but I, I was able to hear it from an older person who's a decorated psychologist. She said, in my head, she was decorated, you know, and, and for some reason, I couldn't hear it from you all. I had a blocker. I couldn't hear it from you. And she said, we're going to Overeaters Anonymous. I said, I can't, after I told her I can't stop eating, she, she picked up the phone, she found a meeting and she brought me and she said, we're going. And I remember I said, why are you doing this for me? And she said, this is what we do in the program. And she took me to a meeting and she raised her hand as an alcoholic. She said, Adam wants to share. She said, tell them what you told me right out loud in front of the meeting. And I said, I can't tell them what you told me. I said, I can't stop eating. I can't stop eating. And that was November 9th, 1998. And I was just shy of my 30th birthday. I, November 15th comes and uh, I turn 30 in program. And this is a pivotal moment in my program. I also work side by side with somebody uh, who was a member of 12 step food program and who taught me, you know, who, who said to me, you know, years before, he, he, he told me he had, he, had, he had given away 100 pounds and kept it off, and I couldn't believe it. And he told me what he did. He said, I never deviate. And I said to myself a few years back, you know, what does he know? You know, my 300-pound self was telling him, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. But he was in my life. And uh, I'll get back to November 15th, 1998. I'm, I'm at... It's my birthday. There's tiramisu cake. I, I've never had it before. A voice in my, said, my head says, I have to have this thing. I do what I do. I reach out. I grab it. I shove it in my pocket. I go in the bathroom. It's all over me. It's all over my pants. I'll never forget the pants. It's sticky. It's all over me. And I come to Overeaters Anonymous and they tell me, don't worry about it. We love you. We love you. Don't worry about it. Just keep, keep coming back. And I'm thinking something's wrong here. And they said, don't worry, you know, why, if you're on your way from Los Angeles to New York and you're in Arizona and you get a flat tire, why would you go back to Los Angeles? And they're just, and they gave me the sense, or I heard the sense that, oh, does that mean I can keep eating? Sometimes I can have those problems. And I brought it to the guy I work with who told me that, you know, who had, had, had been like me, who had once been a hundred pounds overweight and you'd never know by looking at him. And he said to me, he said to me, he said, Adam, he said, that's just called getting drunk in this program. You got drunk. And it kind of, kind of opened up my eyes. And he said, that's what getting drunk is. And he said, I want you to find anyone, 
anyone on the planet and just do whatever they say, as long as it's not you. And something opened up in me in that discussion that I had with him that one, right, there's such thing as getting drunk in our program. And two, my head is always going to find an, a reason why I can, I, I can, I can do something with food. I can, I'm always going to look for food. Every time I'm going to find a reason why I can eat more. So what is it, what it, what it opened up for me and that I, I really hope if you're new and you're listening and it's just the beginning, this beginning experience of being willing, being willing to say, I'm not in charge anymore, which is the foundation of what we do here is I first have to understand that I have this, this, this thing in my, in my body, in my being, in my head that tells me the best idea for anything is to use food. It's, it's, it's always there. It always lives in me. That guy has a voice in his head saying, want to eat, right? And if I'm going to have a sober experience here, I'm really going to be much better off if I lose the vote, right? Like I'm not equipped anymore. I, that guy in that picture that, that Bob is showing is fired from making decisions around food. And that really spoke to me. If I want to have a sober experience with what I'm going to do with food, I should lose the vote. So it's obvious to me, right? I'm addicted to so many substances in the realm of food. But it's also very clear to me that I really, really need to get out of my way. And it, it became clear to me in that discussion that for me to have a sober experience with food, I need to be out of the driver's seat. And it dawned on me that the foundation of this thing lies in that experience for me is that I'm fired from food. I don't make decisions of food anymore for myself. I know what I can eat. I know how much I can have and I know when I can have it. And from there, right, the guy who you saw in those pictures, right, who I thought food was my problem, but food and life were my problem. Food was my solution, right? I didn't know anything. And I woke up. The guy who came in wasn't awake. And the guy who's here now is starting to be awake. And I could never do this alone. Never, right? I do not have the power to fix my food problem like I thought I did. I needed and the beginning for me was I knew this, I needed you more than you needed me. And I began to found power here, the power to do what I never could do for myself, right? And my food obsession has been relieved since November 30th, 1998, when I came into the, when I came back and I said, I'm willing to, I'm after that day on November 15th, it took me two more weeks, right? To say two weeks in a day to say, I'm willing to do whatever you say, just tell me what to do. And that's been the, the biggest source of freedom in my whole life. And I'll finish with this, right? The guy who walked in was not employable, was not someone you'd wa I'd want my kids to be friends with, <laughs> was not someone who, who I would pick for my daughter as a, as a spouse, is not someone who I would, I would um, pick as a father or, or as a son, right? And 22 plus years later, on every front, I'm not the same guy, right? So this is just the beginning of a formula of, 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 of me accessing a formula of living, right? Which I found here. I didn't make it up. I wish it were me who made it up. I thought I could. I found a formula of living, which taught me how to grow into, which gave me the power to grow into the person I've become, who's completely an imperfect person 
who has so much more to grow, thank God, because I still need you more than you need me, but who found power, this power that has offered me a life that I couldn't have done. I didn't think it would turn out this way. My ideas walking in were very different about what a good life would be, but has given me the meaning and the uh, foundation, right, to live a life that um, I'm so proud of and I'm so grateful for. And um, it all begins here. And it begins with the honesty on my plate and me firing myself from the experience of food. I'm no longer in charge. And I, I still maintain that. I don't make up what's good for me and what, I, what isn't good for me. I have no idea. I'm always going to insert my addiction if I do that. So I hope that helps. And with that, we're going to move into um, a little more information about how we use the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the formula of 12-step living to, um, to uh, help you all if you want the help. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Adam. We appreciate that. And as Adam said, what we're going to do next is move into a little bit more of a practical matter as to how to create a sober eating plan uh, at, while working it through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And to do that, we have Tim C. and Ore B., who will uh, be taking us through that process. So gentlemen, your turn. Hi, I'm Tim, Compulsive Overeating. And um, I believe that uh, we're gonna be sharing the, uh, the document on the screen, is that correct? Yes, we'll be showing slides of the uh, document and then we can uh, provide a, a version in the chat at the end that people can download. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so I am Tim Compulsive Overeater. I've been abstinent for over 12 years and I'm down uh, 96 pounds as of this month. And it really, for me, sober eating really did um, save my life. It has done all of all of what Adam talked about, uh, um, you know, in many ways it saved my life. Um, so sober eating, what it, what it is, it's, it's not a prescribed food plan, but a method uh, for defining a food plan by consulting with others. Um, if we are the problem, when it talks about our life is unmanageable, the way I read it, nowhere in the book does it ever say, I get back into management. It, and nowhere does it say that I've regained the power of choice when it comes to food. And so if we are the problem, in no way can we be the solution to the problem. So no one tells us what to eat, but we work out meals together with, with, with each other so that we don't have to make the decisions alone. It really, when it just hit me this morning, it is the we. We remove the I, the ego, and the I of Tim, and we bring in the we. We bring someone else into the decisions about our food plan. So reading is just the beginning of the program. Uh, um, it really is just the foundation of, of a, a new way of living. And so uh, um, sober eating may help us access uh, to surrender, to access a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity, both in our lives and our food. And this is also not the only approach to abstinence. There are, there are, this is just what has worked for, for us. This is just what, what has worked for of, uh, you know, just a few of us. Uh, there might be intuitive eating. There might be uh, um, uh, uh, of, of the gray sheet. There's uh, dignity of choice. This is really just one of many. And if it works for you, wonderful. If it doesn't, then there are men, many other ways to access a power greater than yourself. 
So where we kind of start is uh, from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, where Dr. Silkworth talks about the allergy of the body. And it talks, it says, we believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that, that is, that is lim- the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average tempered drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. Once having formed the habit, they found they cannot break it. Once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things humans pile up on them and they become astonishingly difficult to solve. So there's a couple, for me, there's a couple of important words in there that we need to describe. Uh, um, chronic is the, is the first word. And to me, it's, it's chronic is incurable. It is never going away. This can be, we can manage the symptoms, but we can never cure the disease, okay? Um, the next word is an allergy. So when it talks about, in the big book, where it talks about we have a different reaction to certain foods, when it goes into that section, oh, if he would just put it down, if, he would, if he's got such a great girl, if he would just do this, it would be, everything would be great. We have a different reaction to certain foods, and that reaction triggers the twofold disease, the phenomenon of craving and the, and the, what do you call it? The alcoholic response. So the allergy, it's an abnormal bodily reaction. So when I watch my kids eat pizza, it doesn't do for them what it does for me. I have a totally different reaction. It sets me apart for, as a distinct class of person. Okay. And then the next word that is, is phenomenon, the phenomenon of craving. The word phenomenon is just an unexplained event. There are times, there were times where I could just have two pieces of pizza and be okay. There were times where I could eat three meals and two snacks, but then there were other times when I couldn't. So I'm just not sure what's going to happen once I start, okay? Um, And the last one is the word is craving. And a craving is a feeling beyond my mental control. So. Once I start, I can't stop. Once I introduce it into my body, my body says it wants more. It, it automatically triggers something different in me, that allergy of I want more. And it's beyond, what do you call it, my mental control. When it comes to mental uh, uh, um, craving and my thinking, craving always wins. Craving always wins. There's an occasional where, where uh, the, the, the thinking wins, but... of the time, the craving wins and I go for more and more and more. So that's, that's all. I'm going to turn it over to Ore for the next couple slides. Hey everybody. My name is Ore. I'm a compulsive reader. How's it going? Can I be heard? Clearly? Awesome. Um, So I have uh, just over five years of recovery and um, I just celebrated actually on July 14th and uh, I am down uh, 255 pounds from my top weight of 485 pounds. And um, yeah, I'm a real compulsive reader. Um, what can I say? And I've been in a program for, I've been in program since, uh, I think I've been in program coming in and out for about 20, 20, 21, 22 years. I came in really young, um, but it wasn't uh, until um, let's just say uh, five years ago, um, I stepped into this way of life, into the sober eating way of life. Um, and I have a different brand of recovery uh, than I've ever had. And, uh, and like Tim had mentioned, you know, this, when I came in, I 
you know, it pushed me to the it pushed me to the point where I was practicing suicide. Um, I was practicing hanging myself. So it, it's very literally, uh, so I was touched and and I was guided back to program um, just over five years ago. Um, and this sober eating way of life uh, has helped considerably, considerably. And and, and look, just this this is just the entry point. This is not the program. This is just the entry point to actually getting into the work, the work, the transformative work of the 12 steps, right? Like this is, this is step one. This is ground zero. And that's why it's so, so important. Like I can have this whole spiritual, I can't have this whole spiritual experience without it starting at the plate. Um, and, and for me, um, that, that is a manifestation of one steps, one, two, and three um, is when I put the plug in a jug and I stopped the compulsive reading. So let's go ahead and jump into the slide. Um, yeah, I can't see the slide. So what is food addiction? I think we covered that, right? Okay, so what is food addiction? Okay, so men and women drink essentially because they like the effect. For, and, and so something that something that I like to do actually is I like to make this from the eye. Um, I read this from the eye with my sponsees. So I compulsively overeat or I overeat essentially because I like the effect produced by. And for me, nothing produces effect like chocolate cheesecake. Yeah, like something I can smell chocolate cheesecake and it ignites something in me or peach cobbler or peanut butter cookies. Um, that kind of switched up right in the middle of my talk here. Hey, sorry, Ari, I just, which, which slide would you like? Which, which, which chunk? Uh, we were in what is the food addiction, the first one. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. We can go back to it. I, I thought you wanted something different. My apologies. So I am restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by, for me, overeating. That's another one. Overeating produces an ease of comfort. It gives me a, or it gives me a feeling of, Oh, right. It's nothing like, you know, working a long day, having to deal with people that I don't necessarily like, a job that I don't want to be at, dealing with the miseries of life or the boredom of life, and then coming home to a nice whole pizza. It gives me comfort and ease, which comes at once by taking a few bites. And it doesn't need to be a lot. One slice of pizza It'll get the it'll release it'll release that 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 thing and that comfort and ease and then I'm off to the races. And in 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 eating, which I see others doing with impunity, without punishment, is impunity. You know, there are all type of ways people eat, right? I see people eat they overeat and they're they they can they can overeat on the weekends. They can go to you know, the, what is a golden corral and binge out and, you know, have a great time with the family. And I can't afford that. Me, I want the golden corral every day. 
I want to just, you know, set up a tent right at the, at the buffet and just lounge out there for a couple of weeks. So after I succumb to the desire again, as so many times I've done, the phenomenon of craving develops. I pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again or not to overeat again. And I've been there so many times, right? This cycle, this addictive cycle, it's like after eating that whole pizza with the wings, with the cheesecake, with the, you know, with the Diet Coke. Of course, you got to add on a Diet Coke, right, Jeff? <laughs> got to save some calories. <laughs> I wake up the next morning. I can't do this again. I got to stop this. You know. And I, and I have and I come up with a brilliant plan. You know what? I'm going to hit the gym today. I'm going to get this under control. And I really believe that, though. Like, that's the insanity of it. I really believe that. And this is repeated and over. This is repeated over and over. And unless I can experience an entire psychic change, a change in my thinking. Well, obviously, I need a change in my thinking. I need an overhaul. Because this operating system that's telling me to eat whole pizza with the wings, with the cheesecake, with the Diet Coke. It needs to be, it needs to be ripped and replaced. But I need a change in thinking is what the doctor says. If I don't have that change in thinking, there's very little hope in my recovery. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so the O'Reilly's Anonymous definition of abstinence, the act of refraining from compulsive eating the compulsive, compulsive food behaviors while working towards and maintaining a healthy body weight. You know, that's a mouthful, right? That is a mouthful. And for me, I like the terminology of food sobriety. When I look at the definition of sobriety, it says sobriety marked by temperance, moderation, or seriousness. I like that definition. And people are texting me while I'm talking. This is unacceptable. <laughs> so sobriety, when it comes to sobriety, what foods are sober for me? What, 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 what foods encourage temperance, moderation, or seriousness? That is my abstinence. That is my abstinence. In, in my abstinence, you know, what, what is it that I abstain from? Well, I abstain from, uh, well, compulsive overeating is kind of a, a, a broad umbrella, right? But me specifically, I, I need to get specific. So overeating looks like for me, not playing, not, not getting out of the business of making food-based decisions. I follow a food plan that's been assigned by uh, or, or prescribed by my dietitian. And I've stopped playing, stop, stop, stop making the rules when it comes to food. And it's real easy for a compulsive overeater to see if that per if, I, if I'm abstaining, if I'm sober with food. You can physically see it. Am I maintaining or am I gaining? What is food addiction? So we're back at this one here. So what foods can I not stop eating? What foods have I lost control? There's no wanting to control peach cobbler for me. 
I don't want to moderate that. I don't like there's no delusional thinking that says I want to moderate cheesecake. No, I just I can't control my intake. Obsessive craving for certain foods, thinking you can control your intake of alcoholic foods. Negotiating with food. What kind of negotiations do I go through with food? I try to manage it. I try to control it. I try to let me let me just have it on the weekend. You know, let me just have it with dinner. If you see bread showing up in your food plan three times a day, you may have an issue with it. Let me do Ezekiel bread instead. Let me just do crackers. (laughs) No, croutons are fine, right? (laughs) It is using food to instantly change your state of mind. I don't know about you, but when I binge, oh my God, it changes my physiology. It calms me down. It's soothing. It takes the edge off. And I don't need that much to take the edge off. Over time, always going back to the food. That's the, and that's the thing, not being able to stop. Always going back. For me, you know, as a chronic relapser, always going back. There always is a point where the food creeps back in. So I talked about sobriety, temperance, moderation, or seriousness. Sobriety is a commitment to identifying the foods that produce an allergic reaction and an alert in an alcoholic response. You know, this is a, and I've already, I've already, I've already given you a few uh, examples of what produces the allergic response for me. Corn chips, I don't know what it is about corn chips. When I eat one corn chip, it's something about it. I, I can feel the mouth sensation, the watering, the crunchy, and I want more. And get specific for you. Something that helped me is, you know, I can't take somebody else's sobriety, food sobriety plan. I need to get honest with myself about what it is that I can and cannot handle. And what my sponsees, that's the first thing we do. We define what is clear to you, absolutely clear. That's what we start with. What's absolutely clear for you that you can't handle? At the top of my list is overeating. I can't handle overeating. I need a food plan. I need to be told how much of foods I can eat. And that's changed. The food plan that I have now isn't the food plan that I had at 485 pounds. Oh man, I kind of I kind of had had some uh, you know remorse about that. Like I had to grieve the way that I ate at 485 pounds. Believe it or not, I had way more food than what I have now. A half a cup of rice. The guys at my table, they hear me talk about this half cup of rice. What who eats a half cup of rice? When I have a sandwich now, it's one slice of bread. I can't even make a full sandwich. It has to be open. Because overeating is, the, is at the top of my allergic response list. A belief that we owe it to ourselves to deal with our alcoholic foods like an alcoholic deals with alcohol. Look, it, it was a long time before I wanted to approach it like this. I didn't want to do this. And I tell this story all the time. Jeff M. told me about the sober men's group uh, years and years ago, when I was a young whippersnapper in program, <laughs> and I was so full of myself and high on my own ideas, <laughs> I was young in the great ore, <laughs> and I didn't want any parts of what he was talking about. 
I did not want to hear Jeff and sober eating. Get out of here. <laughs> he sounded like an evangelist to me. What it was, was I wanted to, I still had ideas of how I wanted to do my food. I didn't want to be fired. I didn't want to treat this like a as serious as like a deadly seriousness as an alcoholic would with alcohol. I approached this with serious, deadly seriousness. If I overeat, I'm done. I'm going right back to the misery. There is no life. I'm going right back to death. And that's why I approach it with this, the seriousness that I, I'm, I was 485 pounds and trying to kill myself. You know, so our aim is with the help of a higher power to arrest the addiction by removing foods that activate our cravings. But and, and, and this is a good segue into this next part here. I want to read this paragraph on chapter three, more about alcoholism, page 30. I'm unwilling, I am unwilling to admit that I'm a real compulsive overeater. I don't like to think that I'm bodily and mentally different from my fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that my eating career has been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove I could eat like other people. The idea that someday I will control and enjoy my, my eating is the great obsession that I have. And I'm abnormal in that. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. I pursued this almost into the gates of insanity and death. Like, so I don't have no, I don't have any expectation that you are jumping at the opportunity to practice food sobriety. <laughs> if you're like me, you don't want to give up the food. That's the addiction. And I'm not going to shame you for that. That's the physics. I don't want to give up the food. I don't want to give up control. I don't want to give up my drug. So if you have a violent reaction to these concepts, you're in the right place. So I can make sane decisions about your food, but not about my own. My dietitian, my sponsor, my guys in program, or my men's group, they're better equipped to make decisions about my food than I am. More Bioalcoholism talks about the mental blank spot, the peculiar mental twist. I can't trust my thinking when it comes to food. You know, at a, at, there was a time where I was practicing no sugar, but I was making, I was making pies out of agave and eating whole or eating pints of sugar-free ice cream. Like, what? How does that happen? If I was making those decisions in consultation, somebody would have been like, that's nuts. Are you freaking nuts? Yes, I am. So I can't make decisions about my food. That's why I have a dietitian. That's why I consult with my guys. Some guys take pictures. I need consultation. So all food decisions are made in consultation with someone, wives, coworkers, sponsors, fellow, anyone but you. Sometimes at dinners, I'll, I'll make a plate and I'll ask a friend, hey, does this look like a reasonable plate? They'll say, yeah. A prescribed amount of food. I love that. A prescribed amount. Yes. My dietitian has prescribed a food plan for me. She makes up the rules with my food. Example, one plate rule, the plate will tip. So, so people who don't have a dietitian, I found that when I'm out, a great rule for me is half the plate goes to vegetables. That's you. That, that, when I measure out my vegetables, it comes out to half of the plate is vegetables. Then one quarter of the other, the one quarter is goes to my starches and grains. 
And then the other quarter is protein. That usually, when I weigh and measure, it kind of fits like that within that plate. And remember, a plate is actually 3D. It goes high, too. So, like, be, be cognizant of that, too. <laughs> There's other dimension to it. Um, and weighing and measuring. And that's something that I do. Um, majority of the time, I'm weighing and measuring, with the exception of when I go out. I love to have clear boundaries around my food. It, it, it actually is freedom producing for me. Whereas before I thought it was a burden, it became freedom pr producing. So I'm gonna switch it over to Tim. He's gonna continue. Thank you, Ore. Um, so I think the next section is, um, what are the struggles with food sobriety? I mean, it really is, it's, it's a very simple plant. It really is just bringing someone else into all my decisions about my food. And it's, that's really simple. But why do we as addicts willfully deny or disregard our sobriety commitment, resulting in a binge or an effort to control and enjoy? Well, the first one I could think of is, is, is I'm an addict. By definition, I'm willful. I really do not want to be told what to do. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm 51 years old. You know, uh, I, I, this is the story that I tell myself everybody and but everybody doesn't eat like I eat so I'm entitled I also believe oh I you know what I've worked really hard uh, I you know I, it's been a long day I've got a terrible boss the traffic in Los Angeles I can I can pick any number of the uh, any number of reasons to put myself back into the decision making process another one is I'll deny it and I'll admit it's just a little one it's just a little extra uh, this morning uh, um, I'm, I'm no longer in Los Angeles, uh, um, and the eggs that I brought from Los Angeles uh, spoiled. The refrigerator didn't work that I thought was going to work, and 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 so I was like, oh well, I'm just going to double up this instead of that. And I'm like, oh, and, and I was like, it made sense to me, but I just wanted to call and check it out. So Adam got the call this morning to say I didn't want it. It made sense, and it turned out it made sense, but I still don't want any self confidence because self confidence, I'm not here. If I could do this myself, I'm not here. Okay. Um, the defiance when I was brand new, I really tried hard to, to defy that I was a compulsive overeater. I really wanted to be the, the moderate drinker or the heavy drinker that the book talks about uh, on, those, on those following pages uh, um, that Ori was talking about. I really, for, I really wanted to hope that someday it would just click in and that everything would be right and, that, and then the weight would just fall off. And so once these four character traits come in, what do I do? I start to isolate. I'm not going to bring people in to my decision-making process. I'm not going to meetings. I'm not making outreach calls. I've got self-sufficiency comes back. And then what happens? I know better. I really, I, I know Adam, he's, he's got a lot of experience, but he doesn't know me like I know me. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've written the book about me. So I, of course, will know more than Adam does. Okay. And then what do I do? I get hungry. <laughs> I get, I get hungry and, you know, hunger, the, what I love about sober eating, what I love about my food plan is that it's pretty much the same every day. And so what was satisfying and I didn't die yesterday really should be equal to today. And I, then if I'm hungry, there's something else going on. That's a great, I'm not really a feeling guy. I'm not really, a, uh, I'm not really, 
I'm not even aware I'm having feelings most of the time, but how it always presents itself is I get hungry. And so when I get hungry, that's a good signal for me that I better call somebody. Okay. That's good. I, if I'm hungry, I should be talking to somebody, letting somebody know that it's an hour to dinner and I'm already hungry. I, I don't know why I'm hungry. I never really tried to figure it out. I just needed to let somebody know that I was hungry. Okay. Um, the ego, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think the ego is part of my, the mental manager of my mind. And it's a, it, it really is a great junior partner. I need the ego. I need, I need to organize my, my mind needs to be organized. And that's what, that's part of its job, but it cannot be running the show. So that's where, that's where it, what the ego cannot stand up to reality. And so when I talk to other people, I bring reality into the situation. So this morning when I brought Adam into the reality of, Hey, this is my thinking. All of a sudden it wasn't me in charge anymore. He made the call. Yeah, that sounds great. Go right ahead. Okay. And so the ego cannot stand up to reality. And so when I, when I, the humility part of it is when I bring someone else into the decision, I bring the we in and it doesn't matter who it is. It does. It, it could be anyone, not me, my wife. I've had coworkers go, I've, I've, I've had coworkers say that looks good. Uh, and so what I don't want to produce is the graduation. What I don't want to produce in, in, in my actions day in and day out, because if I graduate, I am not showing up early for meetings. I am, I'm most certainly not st staying around late to be part of fellowship. And so that's, and then all of a sudden, now I'm, it's me against the disease alone. And then I get into trouble. Then the good ideas start to come in. And then all of a sudden, that ego is back in control. Um, Self-pity is a well-worn path. It's a well-worn path back to food. And then again, I've got this. These are all forms of, these are all forms of the I. The I of Tim cannot stay abstinent, but the we can. I eat, we recover. I, and it's as simple as that. And I need to, I need to surrender to that and allow somebody else into my, in, into my uh, food. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, another word that I like real quick on that one is I'm, I'm still delusional. I've got this persistent, wishful thinking. And the lie that I tell myself every time is this time it's going to be different. This time it will only be one. This time I'm going to start again tomorrow. And I've seen many, many, many guys come back and say, yeah, I told myself it was just going to be one donut. And then I was gone for six months and I gained 50 pounds. So, and once that obsession is triggered, then I start negotiating with food. That's when I start doing the Diet Coke negotiating. I start saying, well, I can have this and, th and, and as long as I have the Diet Coke, it'll be okay. I can, I can, I can stack all my meals towards the end of the day. I Adam and I had our second discussion about alcoholic foods. Uh, uh, he said uh, um, to me, he goes, I, I was like, well, I'm having a problem with white rice. And he goes, well, I said, but I, I don't want to give up brown rice. I'm okay with brown rice. And he said, listen, he goes, and this time he had been abstinent for, for 10 years. And he goes, it's been my experience that people who try to control and, and, and enjoy the foods right next to their alcoholic foods, they always find a way to get back to their alcoholic foods 
and then we do what we do. Once we've triggered this craving, we then go back. And then what I, then what I start talking about is I, talk, I start talking and I, 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 I start talking about my, uh, my spiritual recovery. I start talking about my great family life and I start talking about my great work life, but, I, but, I, but the weight's starting to go up. I, I, this was my experience the first time. I did not say I'm back from relapse, but then my weight starts going up and I start, I start, I start just talking about how great everything is, but I'm not talking about how the food is getting bigger. And so these are, these are, this is what it starts to sound like, especially with when, when you're sponsored, when you're talking to people and, and listening, because I'm listening, the messaging is what's very important. We're treating food like an alcoholic treats alcohol. We want to raise it to a level where we're not talking about, oh, you, it's, it's just a slip. You just get right back on the horse and we're not going to, we don't need to start over, right? And so we're listening for that because that leads to, it, 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 our experiences, it leads to people getting back into charge of the food. So, oh, here's, I ate too much, but here's the recovery. My food is getting wonky. I'm technically abstinent, but I'm in the food. My food is getting bigger, but, my, but, it, but it so is my spiritual life or some of the ones that I heard. So it's important that we, the messaging we have around food, it's freedom producing or it's non-freedom producing. That's what we're looking for. And, and it really is, it's very scary. It absolutely is scary, but, but, it, but it's so much more freedom producing once we've surrendered control. Once we've said, I can't handle this alone. Okay, so what is what is being sober with food look like? I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And in, on 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 some days, this is what it looks like for me. This is what the definition of, of being in the fellowship of the spirit. This is now we've done the work from the steps. We've put down the food. We've surrendered the food, and we've done the work. And these are the these are the what do you call? These are the ten step promises. And we have ceased fighting anything or even anyone, even alcohol. For this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. We find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given without any thought of it or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We feel as though we've been placed in <laughs> We've been, we've been, so I shouldn't have that memorized. We feel as though we've been placed in, in a position safe and protected. We have not even stored off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor we are afraid. This is our experience. This is how we react as, lo as long as we remain in fit spiritual condition. And what Adam told me and what, what for some reason I believed 12 years ago, he goes, if you don't pick up the food, you will never have another food problem. And that's been my experience. That has been my experience for 12 years. It has been the pink cloud. Because as long as someone else says yes, it's done. Game is over. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to think about it anymore. And so I, I do, I, I create a lot of problems in my life. But food is not one of them. I mean, what, what happened this morning with, oh, I'm just going to do this instead of that. It was, it just, the next call was to Adam. It was very simple. And if Adam wasn't available, the next call was to somebody else. It, I, the freedom, I'm looking for freedom. And, and to me, that is the gift that 
that has been just such a, a, a um, I never thought I would get that. I thought I would get a healthy body weight, but the mental part has really been so much more so than the freedom. So that's all I got. Okay, I guess that's all. Uh, Ari, do you have anything else you'd like to yeah, add? Yeah, you know, I just have a few thoughts, you know, uh, talking about struggling. Um, going back to more about alcoholism, we, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were real compulsive eaters. And that's a, that's, that's the, that, was the hard, that was the hard one for me. If I'm struggling, there is no struggle in concession. There's freedom in concession. But getting to that concession, that was hard for me. And I needed, I needed a spiritual, I needed, I needed power to get me there too. And before I came back, you know, if you're struggling right now, which to me, it's like either I'm, it's binary, either I'm using or I'm not. If I'm struggling, I'm using. And for me, I had to pray and ask God for the ability to help me surrender. Help me stop fighting. God, please help me stop fighting because no amount of willpower was going to get me to concede. The will, my self-will doesn't even have that ability, in my opinion. And I needed God to, the, the food surrendered me, life itself surrendered me. So if you're struggling, ask God, ask God to please help me, help me stop fighting. Help me do what I need to do. Help me do what I need to do to save my life. So that's all. Thank I you. To yeah. Thank you. Thank you both to Ori and Tim uh, for taking us through that. Now, uh, this is a two hour workshop. Normally, we actually go a little bit longer and we would uh, ask someone to create a sober eating plan with Ori and Tim at this point. However, because we only have about an hour left. The decision has been made that we're going to go right to breakout groups where everybody can work with somebody who is uh, abstinent in working a sober eating plan to create your own sober eating plan. And we'll literally go through food choices uh, and uh, a handout that we have that we can help everyone create their sober eating plan. So I'm vamping a little bit to give Bob, our tech guru, the time to uh, to get the breakout groups ready. But at this point, we are going to do breakout groups. So, Bob, Jeff, yes, we are, are, Bob. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are ready. Um, so uh, we're going to put everyone into breakout rooms. These are relatively large breakout rooms. We're going to be looking at about uh, anywhere up, up, upwards, 35, 40 people per breakout room. And uh, we will come through if, if the leaders in each breakout room do not have the worksheet. I, we will be coming through tech support. We'll come through each breakout room and drop the worksheet into that breakout room's chat. So don't worry if you don't have the worksheet, we'll be in with it shortly. And with that, we'll put everyone in breakout rooms right now. You'll be going there automatically. Some people will stay with Jeff here in the main room. Here we go. Have fun.
Hi, everybody. Sorry for that little uh, technical hiccup there. Uh, but welcome to our breakout room. One of the things I'd love to request, if it's possible, if you can turn on your cameras, because now we are all one smaller group and it was nice to be able to see everybody and get to uh, uh, kind of know everybody because we will all be supportive of one another. And hopefully before the end of our session, we can exchange phone numbers so that we can have our own little sober eating community that we can lean on. But as you heard from uh, Ore and Tim, uh, there's a lot to creating a sober eating plan. A lot of it is tied in with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. But for the next hour or so, what we'd like to do is a practical analysis of what it means to have a sober eating plan. Uh, and so first I'd like to do, the thing I'd like to do is if we go around the room and introduce ourselves, we'll start with Tony uh, and I'll just call on everyone. Just uh, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us where you're from, where you are in your program, and what you're looking for from this breakout session in 30 seconds or less if possible. Tony. Tony, I think you need to unmute. You can't unmute? You can't unmute. So we'll, we'll skip Tony. Tony's a wonderful woman. I know Tony. She lives in the Valley. And she's been uh, doing this for quite some time. Yasmin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I think I may have scared Yasmin away. Can any, can you guys unmute? Is that a problem? No one can unmute. Let's see. Uh, Lori, why don't you try? I just asked you to unmute. Hi, I'm Lori. Uh, fairly new to OA. This is uh, like, I've only had three meetings. Um, so I'm from the Seattle, Washington area. I guess that's about it. Great. Well, welcome. Uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about food a little bit and, uh, and see if we can help set you on the right path. I'm going to mute you again, Laurie, no offense. And next up, Susan H. I've asked you to unmute. Can you unmute? Hi, I'm Susan H. I'm from Texas. And hi, and I have been in program since the end of January, and I am abstinent, looking to improve my program. Thank you for letting me share. Great. Thank you. Hopefully we can help with that. Uh, next up, Cheryl C. I'm asking you to unmute. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hi, um, my name is Cheryl C. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> I've been in program this time for, I don't know, about two and a quarter years, um, abstinent, but um, I really could use some help tweaking my, um, my food plan and um, looking forward to the meeting. And I, I got on late, so... Um, I'm kind of jumping in now. <laughs> Great. So. Well, hopefully we can help you tweak. Uh, thank you. Nice to meet you. Tony, I'm going to ask you to unmute, see if that works. Ah, there it is. Hi, Tony, compulsive overeater. In and out of the rooms over 30 years. Um, I've got a new abstinence, a new relationship with a higher power, and I have nine months 
and I'm down about 106 pounds from my top weight. Look, always love this workshop. I always get stuff from it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Avon in Washington, I've just asked you to unmute, see if that works. Hi, I'm Yvonne from Tacoma, Washington. Um, this time around, I've been in and out for a few years now. And this time around has really changed my life. I have a new sponsor, a, a new everything, new way of working the steps. And, and it's really, really been awesome. So this time around, I've been in for about five weeks. And I feel like I'm doing really good, but I do need um, a better food plan. So thank you. Well, we hope to do that. What, uh, before I get to the next person, real quickly, if you could, uh, you probably need a pen and paper at some point. Uh, so uh, if you don't have one, you might want to grab one uh, while we do the introductions. Next up, Emily, uh, I'm going to ask you to unmute. Hi, uh, my name's Emily. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I just got back into OA maybe two weeks ago. So still trying to figure out what my food plan should look like. So I'm looking forward to seeing what I can learn here. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much. Re uh, I'm sorry, my eyes are going bad. Is it Risa? Hi, everybody. I'm Risa. I'm calling in from Chicago. I've been in OA for about a month, so I'm pretty new, but I'm also already working with a dietitian and a food sponsor. A lot of food sensitivities and intolerances, which has made me a restrictor in a lot of ways. And right now, my food sponsor, both sponsor and nutritionist, are trying to get me to expand my definition of what is okay to eat. Last night I ate something that was incredibly full and still in a lot of pain for that and just trying to figure out like what boundaries are in this abstinence plan. Great. Well hopefully we can help you to do that today. Sharice in North Carolina. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, we're having a little trouble there. Maybe you need to turn your camera off so we can hear you for the moment. Hello? Yeah, that's a little bit better. Okay. Hi, my name is Sharice. I'm from North Carolina. Um, I've been in OA almost two weeks now, and I'm glad to be here because I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm supposed to be here. Thank you. Well, we're glad you're here and hopefully we can help out. Yasmin. Hi, I'm Yasmin, compulsive overeater. I'm in Missouri. Been in the rooms for many years, in and out, and I'm um, in relapse. So I'm here to uh, be inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next up, Robin. Robin, can, is that not your name? I'm sorry, I'm... Hi, sorry, uh, is it Roisin? I'm sorry about that. Okay, no, no problem. Um, hi, so I literally have just joined um, in the last few minutes just for 
this breakout room. So I've actually missed the first hour, unfortunately. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but I'm really, really happy to be here and I definitely want to learn and need to, um, you know, get more info on it for a food plan. Um, I'm really interested in hoping it can help me for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm open to everything right now. So thank you so much for offering this. I'm in Ireland here. Thank you. Sorry about not. My eyes are yeah. I'm old and the print is really small. Uh, Jen. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Jen and I'm from um, Marina del Rey, California. I'm actually a therapist, but I know that for the past seven years I have been restricting and then binging. I don't purge. But I think uh, it's time for me to do something about it before it gets worse. I know I have a mild case of eating disorder, which I have been diagnosed with, um, comes from trauma. But uh, yeah, I'm just here to get some helpful information and uh, just try to join the support group. Great, thank Great. you. And and uh, not to uh, uh, you're 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 the therapist. I'm the layperson. But uh, in my experience uh, of doing this, uh, there's no such thing as a mild case of eating disorder where we either got it or we don't uh and uh, right. we're glad you're here and uh, hopefully we can help uh and right. in the in the interest of time uh guys um i am gonna uh stop the introductions because uh i know we only have a little over an hour and it takes a little bit of time to do this particularly with a group this large so as we speak uh, if we you haven't introduced yourself uh, as we get to you, you can then introduce yourself at that time. That may save us a few moments and get everybody uh, on the track. So there's a couple things that we're going to do today. And I apologize for those I didn't call on, but uh, you can understand the, uh, uh, the time pressures that we're under, I hope. Uh, there's a couple things that we're going to do here today. First of all, um, I want to give each and every one of you my phone number because at the end of this, you're going to have questions. Now, I say this, but I also need to tell you that I'm on vacation in Hawaii, so I won't I, I won't be back, uh, you know, uh, to the mainland of America until Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So uh, I can uh, I can take text. Not sure I can chat with everyone immediately after the after the program today. So if you can be patient, we can talk later in the week if you have questions or if you need some more help getting into your specific food plan. One of the things that we need to do is look at what we eat and also what we don't eat. And so what I'd like to do now is, uh, but let me give you my phone number first. I said I was gonna do that and then I just jumped all over the place. My number is 310-210-6475. And normally I'm on Pacific time. I live in Santa Monica, California. Uh, just uh, real quickly to introduce myself, I've been absent for a little over 12 years plus 115 pounds, give or take a pound or two uh, in that time. And uh, I've been working on a sober eating plan for about nine years. Uh, and uh, uh, as I said, I live in Santa Monica, California. 310-210-6475 is my number. And I encourage you all to uh, feel free to text. Hopefully, uh, if we go into the chat in a moment or two, we can all post our phone numbers. We can then copy the chat and we can have our own sober eating support group. One of the things that we look at, one of the first things we look at when looking at a sober eating plan are foods that we are allergic to. And by allergic, we mean 
a food that you can start eating, but before you stop eating it, you're worrying about eating more of it. You know, you're worrying about your second helping, your third helping. When can I get more foods that I can't stop eating once I've started? Now, for me, most of those are sugar-based, uh, cookies, candies, cakes, things of that nature. So I'd like everyone to take your pen and paper and write down the foods that are the absolute red light foods in your world. Uh, and when we talk about foods, we want to get specific, but we don't have to get granular. And by that, I mean, when we talk about cookies, it doesn't really matter if you like Oreos or Milano's or sugar wafers better. We know that if you pick up a cookie, you're in trouble, right? You can't stop eating the cookies. At least I can't stop eating cookies. So for me, it would be cookies, cake, ice cream, um, fried foods, tortilla chips, French fries is a big one for me. So I'd like everyone to take a moment, give it a little bit of thought and write down the foods that you think are your red light foods. And then we're gonna start, we'll go around the room a little bit and uh, get some uh, feedback from what you guys think are your red light foods. Okay, so take about 20 or 30 seconds to start writing. You can continue to write as we go around the room. But um, let's see, Ethan, how you doing, Ethan? I know Ethan from the men's group. So Ethan, why don't you tell us a few of your red light foods, foods that you cannot start eating without thinking about eating more of them? Oh, I have to ask you to unmute, I'm sorry. Try now. Okay. Um, one of them is peanut butter. I can't eat peanut butter without going through the whole um, the whole jar. Just, I can't. So. Right. And peanut butter wouldn't be something that I would have uh, I would have had on my list. So that's great. Anything else, Ethan? Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, fries, bread, like bread, French bread, especially, but mostly just bread across the board, and same um, cookies, sugar, recreational sugar. So. Great. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Jeanette, how about you? Uh, can you? Would you mind sharing a couple of your red light foods with us? Hold on. I, I, I mistakenly muted you. Try again. Um, Jeanette, I'm a recovering um, compulsive overeater from Western New York. Um, tortilla, tortilla chips and chips. Sure. And if I get into the chips and I want oyster crackers or uh what do you call it um like croutons if i stop the chips then i go into the other stuff yeah uh, now a lot of times people will say i can't eat potato chips or i can't eat tortilla chips but then you know taro chips are okay or other chips or you do you think that you need to just eliminate chips or is it specific um probably chips for sure I know it's sad and hard to give up to say, yeah, to say that, but or, yeah. Or those cheese balls are, are a deadly. Yeah, that's a chip too though, right? I mean, yeah. and, and that's part of the thing. That's one of the things that comes with sober eating is that sometimes we get so granularly specific and we say, oh, I won't eat potato chips, but tortilla chips are okay. How about cheese doodles? How about this? How about that? Uh, because that's our, what our minds do. We're addicts, right? Our minds play tricks on ourselves. One of the first things we do is lie to ourselves, and that allows us to lie to other people. Uh, Ashley, uh, I'm going to ask you to unmute, and then I'm going to mute. I'm going to, uh, uh, by the way, stop my video because I need to relocate to plug my computer in. But Ashley, I'm asking you to unmute. Why don't you share um, some of your alcoholic foods? Um, I would say 
cake or uh, dried fruit, trail mix, uh, ice cream, uh, anything that's got sugar in it, even if it's, quote, healthy. Like dried fruit, I discovered, was healthy. But um, you start eating it, and then you eat a whole package. And then yeah, healthy is a relative after term. I got into the day after I got into chocolate, but I started with dried fruit. And of course, chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, healthy being a relative term, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, certainly. But uh, yeah, dried fruit's an interesting one because I didn't put dried fruit on my abstinence right away. Uh, and uh, then I discovered raisins were calling me pretty much every day. So uh, I get that. So uh, absolutely. That's a, a great one uh, to add. Uh, Deanna, how about you? Do you have something you'd like to share? And then we'll start to create some structure around this. Hi, sorry, I was having trouble unmuting there. Um, yes, uh, I'm Deanna. I'm from Vancouver in Canada. My list includes dessert no matter how it's sweetened or how health healthy it is um, anything salty crunchy and comes in a bag that whole category um, and definitely wheat and white flour and I'm thinking probably deep fried in general I'm not 100% sure about that but I'm just going to put that on the list because I don't, it's not healthy anyway, right? So yeah, that, and, and the road narrows uh, certainly as we as we do this. Uh, I, I started by uh, uh, my in my first absence, I was eating french fries and hamburgers on buns and french fries and wondering why I wasn't losing weight. And so then I gave up french fries, the state of Idaho wept. And then I, uh, uh, I then uh, got uh, uh, realized that french fries were not good and then all fried food. So it's sort of, you know, it sort of cascaded a little bit and that's perfectly okay because this is a uh, all of this is about discovery because we find that when we put one thing down other things start calling us say i've heard it called whack-a-mole so um yeah. uh so so those are all great examples and and uh, diana thank you for sort of uh giving us a little bit of a segue because let's talk about what your food plan should look like right uh so and i'm gonna mute you diana no offense intended but Thanks. Uh, but uh, let's talk about what uh, what a food plan should look like. Now, for me, I eat three meals a day plus two snacks. And one of the reasons that I keep the snacks uh, is because it allows me to eat less prior at my meals. Now, right now, you know, I, I've gotten older as I've been doing this. And right now, I so I've, I've pared down the amount of protein I eat. But I get scared because now it takes 26 days for a human being to starve. But if I'm hungry for 26 minutes, I go crazy, right? And I've lost 115 pounds and rarely been hungry. And so I use the snacks to allow myself to eat less at meals because I don't have the fear that, oh, it's going to be six hours, seven hours till my next meal. How am I going to possibly survive the next six hours without food? I can't, how can I do that? And so uh, I use fruit mostly uh, as snacks. Uh, in order to uh, sort of bridge that gap and make myself feel better about it. So I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
and I have two snacks. My snacks come between lunch and dinner and after dinner. I like, I feel that the structure of that is very important. And I hope that we all can get some structure to our food plans as we work through this today. So what I'd like everybody to do is to look at, look at uh, breakfast. Let's just start with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And write down what you would, what, a good food plan would look like for breakfast. What foods would you eat for breakfast? And specifically the quantity, because you know I've had sponsees who said, oh, I ate some nuts. Well, what does some nuts mean? Is some nuts three nuts or is some nuts three pounds of nuts? So we wanna really get specific. We wanna corner our disease. And to corner our disease, one of the things that we need to do is get real specific. So when you say I want to have eggs for, in the morning for breakfast, if that's what you would love, want to eat, how many eggs? Is it one egg? Is it two eggs? Is it three eggs? Are you, you know, or how are you preparing them? You know, get as specific as possible. And then again, we'll go around the room and we'll kind of hear a few, few choices, talk about them. Uh, and then uh, we will, everyone will have some specifics. So let's see, uh, Danielle O, oh, we haven't heard from you yet. Would you be willing to share with us a couple of choices for breakfast? And I will ask you to unmute. Hi, yeah, I'm Danielle. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic. Um, I typically, I've been having cereal, like two, I've got two little scoop things. Um, it's about 40 to 50 grams, I think. Um, and I have some fruit that with milk, sorry, almond milk or oat milk, which I don't measure, but then some fruit, a portion of fruit. Got it. So, so, uh, 40 to 50 grams for those of us who were in the U S and don't do grams would be about three or four ounces. Is that correct, Danielle? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's 26 grams in an ounce. If, uh, if, I, if my memory okay, so maybe me two ounces. So a couple ounces, and and that cereal. Do you uh, is it specific? And no, no offense when I say this, but are you eating sugar smacks and sugar pops, or is it more, you know, the uh, healthier variety? Oh, I see. So I have one scoop of uh, porridge oats and one scoop of no added sugar muesli. Which is Got it. So yeah. I, uh, and the reason I point that out, guys, is that, you know, it, it's easy for us to say I'm going to have cereal for breakfast, but then we look at the side of the box when we have the courage to do that and we see that sugar is the first or second or third ingredient. And that can be tricky because if we set ourselves up in the morning for sugar, uh, then we're going to be craving it all day. So thank you, Danielle. That was great. Uh, uh, how about uh, Patty B? Patsy B, rather. I'm sorry, Patsy. Are you there? Okay, we're gonna move on then to uh, Lusanda. Lusanda, are you there? Hi, I'm Lusanda, a compulsive overeater. I'm in Pretoria in South Africa. Um, so, for my, so I'm new to the program, uh, I've just started. So I'm looking to, to develop a, a good uh, eating plan. So for breakfast, I'm thinking, um, okay, I, I, I quite like boiled eggs. So I can have two boiled eggs, uh, a quarter of an avocado pear, and um, 
and maybe other uh, like a cup of uh, spinach or mushrooms because for me it's important to feel full I also panic when I when I think I'm going to be hungry. So the more that's on my plate uh, and, and it can be vegetables, um, yeah, the better that I'll feel. So I'm thinking the two boiled eggs, the quarter avocado and, and a cup of mushrooms or half a cup of mushrooms. Or um, also maybe a cup of uh, fat-free cottage cheese and, uh, and, and an apple. Um, or a an egg white omelet, and then I'd put in um, a quarter of an avocado, some tomato, and some mushrooms. So those are the options I'm thinking. Those sound like great options. And and the first two the first two things you said were great because you were very specific. And then the last one you said and some. And remember, I'm just going to remind everyone the danger of the word some because some can mean anything you want it to mean. So uh, those were great choices, but let's get specific about how much of that sum, sum is. So a quarter cup, a half a cup, great. Uh, but you know, some is a dangerous word for us, but thank you, Lysandra, that was, that was great. So as you can see, and, and just so you know, what I do for breakfast typically is uh, two cups of, uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, light yogurt, uh, and a banana. That's I would say I have that for breakfast five to six days a week. If I can't have that for breakfast, I eat two eggs and two ounces of other protein. Uh, I you know, don't mind bacon or sausage or things of that nature. Some people don't eat that, but uh, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and uh, at the and and or a cup of oatmeal. And when I say a cup, that's not the largest cup I can find in my cupboard. That is a cup that I take a measuring cup with. And I, uh, and actually I use pre-made oatmeal that comes in pre-measured to that amount. So it's pretty easy for, for me to do that. But everybody should have on their list specific items and the specific quantity. If you're an egg eater, is it two eggs? Is it three eggs? One of the things that also I wanna remind everyone is that you know, oftentimes as compulsive overeaters, we skimp on protein and we do a lot of uh, what I'll call freelance foods, you know, potatoes, fried food, you know, rice, pasta, things of that nature. We don't want to skimp on protein. Now, I don't want to be your dietitian because I don't have that degree and I'm not that learned, but you, know, uh, you should talk with other people um, as much as possible to, uh, to determine what the right amounts are for you. And so, but don't be afraid to you know, make sure that you get protein. So we've got breakfast and you should have three or four choices of breakfast because I can't, for instance, I'm on vacation, as I mentioned, and I can't, I can't eat yogurt and bananas every morning here because it's just not available. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have, you know, it's pretty easy to get a couple of eggs anywhere and, and a side of fruit. Uh, and so that is my bailout breakfast is two eggs, two ounces of protein and a side of fruit. So everyone should have what they think they can do regularly and then sort of a bailout option if you can't do it. Uh, and, you know, I also remind people when we talk about breakfast that a lot of people like to do smoothies or shakes for breakfast. But if you were to lay out everything that's in one of those smoothies and shakes on a counter, would you really eat that for breakfast? Okay, uh, dense caloric foods can be dangerous for us because uh, you know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you take a fruit, your know, fruit smoothie, for instance, 
and you see that there's seven pieces of fruit in that fruit smoothie, would you really have that if you're sitting down at a table for breakfast? So that is something that we need to look at. So that we, we now look at uh, breakfast, which is sort of the easiest meal of the day for many people. Then we look at lunch and dinner. So how many ounces of protein? That's really the question that you need to ask yourself. And I can't answer it for everyone. I have six. I started out having eight ounces of protein. Then I moved to six ounces of protein. And now I'm at six ounces at one meal and four ounces at another. But that's me. But how much protein and then what else goes on the plate? or what doesn't go on the plate, for instance, rice, pasta, potatoes, things of that nature. If you wanna keep those in your food plan, they really need to be measured very specifically. You know, uh, at one point I had a half of a potato uh, that I was able to eat. I've given that up now, uh, but uh, you know, if I had potatoes, it would be half a potato. If I have rice, it's four ounces of rice. It's, you know, it's so things of that nature. So let's uh, see who we haven't heard from. Uh, I th is that, uh, I can't really read, but it's a, a woman with a very cute dog. I believe it's BJ. Are you there, BJ? Yes, I am. Hi, Jeff and friends. Um, I would imagine what a healthier uh, lunch would look like would be, um, a half of a oh, did we lose you? BJ, I think we lost you. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. I we heard imagine what a lunch would look like, and then I heard half, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying I would imagine what a healthy, I'm new to this, I would imagine what a healthy lunch would look like with, um, well, I'll just keep it easy. Um, maybe a cup of salad with um, some vinegar and oil on it and maybe um, some grilled chicken like the size of a deck of cards. Um I should warn you, BJ, I'm a, I, I was a game show producer for a long time and I had decks of cards that were literally this big, uh, literally that big. So, uh, so deck of cards may be a, a dangerous measurement. You might want to look at uh, getting a food scale and weighing and measuring to see what that looks like, four ounces, six ounces, something like that. And I know that you're new, so please right. forgive me when I say this. This isn't a criticism. This is part of my experience, okay? I, you know, okay. I, I came in at 50 years old, and I had diet mentality out the ass, if you'll pardon my vulgarity. I couldn't stop thinking about diets. I read every diet book. I knew every... Yeah. I don't want to, to have diet, diet mentality. That is an old idea, and the big book tells us our old ideas need to be smashed. And it says smashed. It doesn't say discarded. It doesn't say ignored. It doesn't say uh, you know, replaced with other ideas. It says smashed, right? So, I, so when I think about diet mentality, I think about oil and vinegar on my salad. When I think about <laughs> eating uh, you know, a, a, a food plan that I can eat one day at a time forever, then I think about, uh, you know, okay, I can have a couple tablespoons of dressing. You know, it's okay. You know, I can have, so, and, and when we talk about lettuce, I, you don't really need to 
weigh and measure your lettuce in terms of ounces, you know, a reasonable size portion, you know, you get a bowl, fill the bowl with lettuce, put your protein on top of it, put whatever else you put in, put the dressing in, mix it up, you have a salad. So it doesn't have to be, um, we're not penalizing ourselves. We're not bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. And the way sick people get well is to act like normal people, to act like non-sick people. Now we can't eat you know, a lot of the foods that normal people can eat, but we don't have to you know, penalize ourselves at every meal or make ourselves feel like we're missing something because we're on a diet. We're not on a diet. We, we're trying to create a healthy food plan. And I say that again, not as criticism. It's just been my experience you know, doing it because I thought like that for a long time and I had to ultimately smash those ideas and replace them with new ones. And again, you're just starting and you, the, the work in the book and the work with, in meetings and the work with sponsor will help you do that. So you've got your salad. What are you gonna put on your salad? What kind of protein? I was thinking chicken. Okay, but you know, if you, and again, everyone's got different dietary needs. Beef is fine, turkey, chicken, you know, tofu. A lot of, I, I work with a guy who's a vegan. He does a lot of vegetarian protein, but you know, is it four ounces? And you don't have to answer this right now. It's a question. Is it four ounces? Is it six ounces? Because remember, we're cornering our disease. We're not giving it uh, room to move. We're, we're, we're figuring this out. And we're not figuring this out on our own. We're figuring it out with somebody else, with your sponsor, okay. with, with me, with anyone else in this room, with anyone who's okay. working a sober eating program. How much is, is enough? how much makes sense so call somebody call me say hey okay. i'm thinking about six ounces of protein on my salad i and i would say great terrific just get a food scale make sure there's six ounces because my eye will make that deck of cards go from this big to that big because i'm a compulsive eater and that's what i do right that's that's my jam i like to eat compulsively i like i don't like it actually i hated eating compulsively but i thought i liked it uh, so you got, so that's one lunch. You got anything else? What if you can't get any lettuce? What happens then? Oh, we, you, we, I think I have to ask you to unmute again. Sorry. Let's try it again. Try to unmute now, please. Okay. I was thinking, um, making half of a sandwich. Cause I heard somebody earlier saying they only use one piece of bread. So maybe a half of a sandwich. <laughs> Okay, and again, how much protein? And again, you don't have to answer this very second, but is it four ounces, is it six ounces, is it 32 ounces? You know, you're gonna kill a cow on the side of the road and have the whole thing. I mean, yeah, we really need to kind of figure out what, what that is. But that's great, okay. thank you, thank you, BJ, that's terrific. Uh, let's you. see, uh, Goldie, are you there? I'm gonna ask you to unmute. You can talk to us about your lunches. not a perfect system guys goldie are you there i guess i bored goldie to death uh how about megan are you there all right um gonna go kimberly's got her hand up so we're gonna go to kimberly you have to unmute i'm asking you oh, there you yeah. go I'm running multiple screens. Sorry about that. I'm Kimberly Combustible Overeater from Minnesota. And I have been in program since 2011. So this isn't new for me. 
but I am newly abstinent as of uh, 30 days ago because my program got too sloppy. And um, my like normal lunch is a cup of rice, four ounces of meat, it could be pork, beef, um, or chicken. I, I do chicken thighs, not chicken breasts. I feel chicken breasts is a penalty, you know, <laughs> is punishing myself too many years on diets. Um, then uh, vegetables, and I do do Asian sauces. Um, sugar is not sugar for me per se. I avoid all desserts and stuff like that, but I still have sugary sauces sometimes. So. Okay, uh, and, and you may find as you go on that uh, sugary sauces aren't working for you, or you may find they're fine. Uh, and that's, as I said before, the road narrows. Uh, but you, you did remind me of one thing, Kimberly, that I'd like to throw in, which is, you know, uh, let's talk about the scale for a minute, not the food scale, but the weight scale, you know, the bathroom scale or the scale of the doctor's office. You know, a lot of people get married to getting on that scale every day and looking at it and having that be a referendum on whether they're a good person or a bad person. And I would like to suggest that that's probably not a great idea. Uh, one of the things that we do in the uh, sober eating group that Adam was speaking about, the men's group that Adam was speaking about earlier, was we weigh once a month. I weigh on the first of the month. And uh, when I get that weight, that, that number is data. That number is not a referendum on if I am a good person or a bad person. That is a referendum of am I eating too much or am I eating enough or am I eating to, uh, you know, enough to lose weight or, or less, uh, a less amount of food to lose weight. And that's it. If, the, if, I, if I gain weight or don't lose weight, I talk to my sponsor and we make adjustments to the food plan. I do not do it by myself. I never make a food decision by myself because my, I have done that for, I did that for 50 years and that got me to 340 pounds. I don't want to be 340 pounds anymore. So I don't make those decisions on my own. And so that is uh, very important uh, uh, to mention is that uh, the, the scale is data. It is not about whether you're a good person or a bad person. And if you feel you need to make a change, please, please, please do it with somebody else. Francis, I see you're there. Why don't you talk to us about a lunch? Tell us what you're having for lunch, Francis. Oh, I got to ask you to unmute. Sorry, buddy. Now you go. What I have for lunch <clears throat> almost every day is salad, six ounces of chicken, or chicken sausage, or beef, or um, steak, whatever's left over from dinner the night before. If I don't have that, then I'll have, um, I can do a sandwich on a pita, um, but I don't do it often. Um, so I'll go to the, the, if I don't make my lunch in advance, I'll go to the deli counter, and I'll say I want four ounces of turkey, um, no cheese. I want, you know, I'll tell them exactly how I want it, and I put it on a wrap. Um, I can eat that kind of wrap without any problems. I can't eat bread and butter, but I can eat bread on a sandwich. So, uh, bread would be the food delivery system for butter for me, but I can have a sandwich with bread without any problem and not want to eat more of it. So that's my secondary lunch, but my primary lunch is always going to be a salad. Um, I always bring my lunch from home. I bring it to work every single day. I brought my lunch from home for 20 years.
Do you uh, weigh uh, or rather measure this amount of dressing you put on? I, um, I don't often. And I learned that from you because I'm not sitting at the refrigerator chugging down dressing. But um, I, I put a little bit on. I use a light Caesar and I just put a little bit on to cover the top. Um, if, if I feel like I need to measure something, if it's a dressing that I'm not used to using, I'll measure it out. Got but it. for the most, most part, I do not measure my dressing and I don't kill it either. You know, I just want to wet it down a little bit to give it some kind of taste. I measure my protein. I don't measure my salad. Okay. And by the way, Francis, uh, I, I knew was a little bit of a ringer because Francis works with the, the, the sober eating group and uh, he and I chat all the time. So I'm uh, sorry to put a ringer in there, but you see how Francis was very specific about his food, you know, specific ways, specific measures, etc. cetera. Uh, so great. Thank you very much. Uh, so now we've, so we, so you've got your lunch written down, right? Uh, how much protein, what else you might have? Uh, and, you know, if you're going to be doing salads and you're going to be doing dressings, I truthfully encourage people to measure their dressing, to, uh, at least to start, to give you an idea of how much dressing you're eating, because, uh, you know, a couple of tablespoons, great. But, you know, if you're eating half a cup of dressing, that probably isn't going to serve you in terms of creating a weight losing abstinence. And so you might want to take a look at that. But again, doing it in conjunction with somebody else. One other thing I did notice, by the way, is the chat is now open. So I would encourage everyone to post their um, uh, to post their uh, phone number uh, in the chat so that uh, we can communicate together. Uh, and I will post mine as well. Uh, but uh, again, it's 310-210-6475 for those of us who are, um, who are uh, have a pen and paper in hand. Okay, uh, so we've got breakfast, we've got lunch. Now we're looking at dinner. Now, sometimes people have more protein for dinner. Sometimes people have less protein for dinner. Uh, it, you know, it also depends on you and your constitution and everything else that's going on. But let's talk about dinners. Uh, and uh, uh, where's, uh, did, I think Judy left. I was just about to call on Judy, but I, she seems to have, been, have gone. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, Kelly W., do you want to share with us what uh, a sober dinner would look like for you? I'm brand new, so I don't know. I'm overeating right now, so I wouldn't be helpful to anybody, but thank you. Okay. No, that's great. Thank you for, and thank you for your honesty. That's not an easy thing to say, and we hope that you get something here. And again, you have my number. Feel free to call or text, and uh, we can, uh, I, you know, or, or any of the other folks. I hope you guys are all putting your uh, numbers in the chat uh we're here you can't you can't put your number in the chat uh okay uh oops sorry uh you can only chat to me uh all right so here's uh here's what you, uh, you should do uh, give me your phone number and your email address and then later in the week i can't promise to do it today but later in the week i will pull it all down and i will uh try and get everyone's phone number to everyone via email so um, uh, we will do that. Uh, oh, someone says it works now. So, all right. Anyway, we'll try and figure it out. Or maybe at the end, we can all hold up our name, our you know, piece of paper with our phone number on it. Okay. 
So dinner, we're still looking at dinner. Joanna M, are you there? Do you want to tell us about a, what looks like a sober dinner for you? Okay, apparently the chat is working, by the way, now. So uh, I think everyone can see it. I can't raise Joanna. So let's go to uh, Cheryl from Massachusetts. Hello again. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I weigh all my food because I'm one of those that like if I have a cup, I jam as much as I can in that cup. Or if I use a teaspoon or a tablespoon, oops, some of it went over because uh, I need strong boundaries around my food because that's the kind of compulsive eater and food addict I am. And it works for me. It actually gives me more freedom just for me. So um, this is actually my my dinner for tonight. Um, I'm going to have 10 ounces of cooked zucchini on the grill, two Boca burgers, four ounces of uh, raw tomatoes, six milligrams of mayonnaise. I think that's the, the uh, weight. I have to double check. Um, and six ounces of fruit. Um, I just went shopping. So I just wrote fruit. It's a fresh fruit. I'm probably going to have blueberries. And, and I just thank you, Cheryl. That was great because you see how specific Cheryl was even to six milligrams of mayonnaise. Was it mayonnaise? Six mil. I've never heard anyone get down to the milligrams before. So congratulations. That's, and that is exactly what we're trying to aim at is to get as specific as possible. I know for some people that is going to be this, oh, how am I ever going to do this? It's, 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 gonna, it's like being in food jail, but well, I have me, found it to be the exact opposite. Cheryl, please. Let me, let me just say too, that I've been, I've been in and out of program more in than out uh, since the mid 1980s. So right there, right. that tells you about how old I am. Well, so I've, I've um, gone from being completely wishy-washy uh, to strict as hell. I'm now a vegetarian. I wasn't before. Um, so we all change and evolve. Um, I had a bad slippery slope not long ago eating protein bars for meals and, and fruit instead of regular food. So, you know, my abstinence is no flour, no sugar. That's what my abstinence is, period. And then weighing and measuring is an option that my sponsor and I, you know, feel that's important to me. And again, it gives me freedom. I don't have to think about it anymore. I so that you no, know. I, I, you know we and and cheryl it's like you just fell off of the sober eating table right there because that's exactly the kind of language that we use that's exactly the kind of thinking that we use because the less i have to think about food the more freedom i have both mm -hmm. around food and around life yeah. okay so uh laurie oh why don't you give a thank you very much cheryl that was great laurie why don't you give us some dinner choices that you might be thinking of in terms of the sober choices. Okay, well, I'm new to um, 
like I said, to OA, um, been trying to work a food plan on my own. So I guess most of my dinners are higher in protein than the rest of my meals. I don't know why. I think just because I'm cooking meat usually. So I don't love meat. So I would guess my, most of my meat is about six ounces. Um, and then always a vegetable of some sort, just whether it's grilled or um, fresh. I like the crunchy radishes right now are really good to me. So, um, and then I prefer brown rice. So I'll do that with maybe some coconut aminos on it just to add some flavor. Um, uh, but if I can interrupt, Laurie, just for one second. And again, no, no criticism here, just trying to you know, sort of guide us into what we consider to be a sober practice. When you say you're going to have some brown rice, do you have, uh, have you uh, come up with a measurement of uh, some specificity around that brown rice? Is it four ounces? Is it six ounces? Is it three pounds? <laughs> I, if I'm looking at it, I guess it would be about a half a cup. I, I don't, like I said, I haven't been into measuring, so that's a good thing for me to learn today. Okay, and, and the other thing I would encourage you to do is find, uh, if, if you're not working with a food sponsor or a sponsor, find someone and, uh, and, and talk to them about it. someone who is abstinent and, uh, and working the program who you can discuss this with because uh, left to my own devices, I'm going to eat more than not. That's just you know, the nature of my addiction. And so you know, if you talk to somebody, think of it this way. You're the lawyer and the other person is the judge. You make your case and the other person has a say in, in whether or not that makes sense to them because it makes sense to me to eat a quart of ice cream. It doesn't make sense to many other people when you're 340 pounds to eat a quart of ice cream. Okay, so just encourage you to talk to other people. I see that Jane has her hand up. So I will ask you to unmute. And uh, I don't know if you want to share about dinner or if you had a question, but you're up. Sure, thank you. Um, I'm not sure how to lower my hand. Oh, there we uh, go. So I, I can do that, don't worry about okay. it. Okay, thank you. They keep changing the commands on Zoom. Um, hi everyone, my name is Jane. I'm a compulsive eater, bulimic in recovery. And yeah, I would love to share about what's been working for me now for a couple of years, save three slip meals that I've had in two years. Um, I weigh and measure my food. Um, absolutely. Um, I have a sponsor and I commit my food every morning um, uh, or at some point during the day. I usually call my sponsor and talk to her for 15 minutes and verbally commit my food. Um, there's a couple of days of the week where I don't and I just text it to her. Uh, but I have three meals a day and they are weighed and measured because they have guardrails on them. I'm someone who doesn't have reliable hunger cues or satiety cues. Um, if I am, and, and I also can't tell if I'm emotionally eating or not because I go into dis these dissociative trances around food. So what I had for dinner tonight was exactly six ounces weight on a digital scale of smoked salmon, bacon, um, tuna fish and half an avocado and uh, a tablespoon of olive oil. So I practice a, a ketogenic, almost carnivore food plan. And that's been working beautifully for me to be really flatlined um, and uh, in pretty well constant ketosis, which uh, works for me for ongoing food sobriety. Thank you. 
Great, thank you, Jane. And and by the way, you know, ketosis and 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 that plan is great for some people and not great for other people, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, the perfect plan for everyone. But it works for Jane. And if it sounds like it might work for you, Jane, if you could put your name and number in the chat, people can reach out to you and talk to you because obviously Jane is uh, working a sober eating plan, maybe by a different name. And guardrails uh, was something that Jane said is something that we are very big on. We want to create guardrails. All right. So we've got some ideas for dinner. And again, specifics around dinner. And I'm not sure how to say your name. Uh, Semena, is that correct? Is that how you say it? Jimena. Oh, sorry, Jimena. close. Anyway, Jimena, uh, did, you, did you want to add something here? Um, I'm a newcomer, and um, I find this program very interesting. Um, what my thought is, I guess I just wanted to share a little bit about, I, what I hear is that every, it's more of a freedom to know what you're going to eat and when you're going to have, and even to wait, all the stuff. And I've been struggling with just like trying to be a healthy person. <laughs> and um i would love to be able to do that but not in an obsessive way like all of that the healthy eating and weighing and having knowing what i'm gonna eat i never know what i'm gonna eat i never know what i'm gonna eat and it's, it's stressful and um what was i gonna say i have so much to say i just want to stop obsessing about body the way i look and um just like when I see people running, for example, I'm like, damn, these this are healthy people right here running and I'm, I'm not and I'm 40 and I have no energy to run to do any exercise. And all of, I'm obsessing about having a flat stomach. I don't know what to eat. And also I'm on medication, um, anxiety medication. And the doctor tells me this, uh, this medication is going to make you hungry. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. Because anyway, I don't know. Maybe it's a different, I'm a different program because I'm like, I want to try to gain weight, but healthy weight. And I don't know how to do that. And well, it's what, obsessive. I found, what, what I found is that there's somebody with your, we all think we're alone and unique. And there's somebody with your stripe of the disease in the program. You just have to go to meetings and pitch and find them. Uh, and uh, But you're in the right place. And so congratulations for that. And I want to introduce uh, myself just quickly. I know we're closing soon. Uh, is, is And the idea here, hi, I'm Adam Compulsive Eater. And I've been visiting, I couldn't get into your group and I've been visiting the various ones. But remember that all of this is based on our, at least if you're like me, the real problem starts in my head. I have a thought disturbance, right? I have a thought disturbance around food and I want to create enough room and vagueness so I can find permission to eat and obsess on something. And for me, the treatment starts with my head, right? It starts with my head and I love vague and I hate specific and what we're asking, what we're asking here, or we're sharing here, is an experience of getting specific and starting the process of freedom from my own head, right? Because I'm going to obsess on anything, right? So how do I create my my addiction? Wants want, starts in my head and wants to create an opportunity to obsess on food, or and all roads lead to food. Either if I'm obsessing on body, or if I'm obsessing on what I could do and what I can get away with, and negotiating. Um, I'm, I'm looking for room to eat, right? It's all about, for me, getting back to the food. So whatever we're saying here, right? How do, it's about, how do you find freedom? And if you can find freedom elsewhere, great. You know, we're not the only game in town. I hope you had a good workshop. 
Thanks, Adam. And and by the way, uh, you know, Adam brought up a point. Every time I negotiate with food, I lose. Even if I win, I lose because it's in my head. It's all I think about. It it makes it makes every time I negotiate, it makes the the issue around food blow up. But real quickly before we end, because we've only got about two minutes before the breakout room closes, I did want to talk about snacks. Now, as I said to you earlier, I have two snacks. They're fruit. It's a piece of fruit. A piece of fruit is not a watermelon or a pineapple. It is a piece of fruit or it's uh, six uh, up to six ounces of cut fruit. Uh, and so, um, you know, the uh, you know, so it's important to have snacks in my in my uh, abstinence. I've had two ounces of beef jerky is an acceptable snack, two ounces of nuts, which I've had to give up. In the, but that worked for me for a while. And the fruit. So I think it's important for everyone to understand that we do have snacks in, the, in, the, uh, in many of our food plans. Uh, and those snacks you know, are typically uh, you know, fruit-based or protein-based as opposed to you know, carb-based. Uh, you know, snacks are not you know, a bag of potato chips typically. Uh, but again, it's something that you would work out with your sober eating sponsor or your regular sponsor or at least another sober eater. So real quickly, um, Francis, tell us uh, about your snacks real quickly. I typically have um, one ounce, uh, either one ounce of nuts that I measure um, on a scale, or I have uh, one piece of fruit, such as an apple, or another snack I have is one five-ounce yogurt from Trader Joe's plain Greek yogurt. Those are typically the three snacks that I eat. And while, and while Trader Joe's slightly an outside issue, that's a market we have. Uh, but we are about ready to uh, uh, close the breakout rooms. So we've got less than a minute left. So what I do want to do is encourage everyone real quickly to look in the chat, take down numbers. Again, my number is 310-210-6475. Francis, why don't you give out your number? Oh, did I lose you there, Francis? Francis, why don't you give out your number real quickly? Hold on. Go. 201-803-6953. East Coast. And, and you see Ethan D there. He's got his number in his nameplate. These uh, Both Francis and Ethan are working a sober eating plan and good resources for you. Uh, uh, but please take names, take numbers. Let's keep in touch. Let's help each other create a sober eating plan because we need to have somebody else be the judge. I can, like I said before, I can be the lawyer, I can plead my case, but somebody else has to tell me if I'm right or wrong. Cheryl C., I see you have your hand up real quickly. We've got just a few seconds left, but go for it. Um, you, can, <clears throat> you can copy and then print the chat if you're on a computer, so then you'll get everybody's information. If you go down to the bottom of the chat, there's three little dots. You hit those dots and then it'll say um, save chat. And you hit save chat. And then it says show in folder. You hit show in folder. And then it goes in under the notes part of your computer. And then you can, you can print. Okay. So you can get everybody's information. And Cheryl, you told that to all 300 people who are still in the in the workshop because the breakout rooms have ended. We're all one big happy family again. Jeff, uh, Jeff, let me just say quickly. Um, by the way, our retention rate is 292. <clears throat> we had a uh, over 400. You know, that's a we 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 almost maintained uh, 
70, you know, 75%. So that's pretty impressive. Um, usually people leave. <laughs> so that being said, um, just in, in, if there are women on the line, I know many of you might have heard of the men's group. There are uh, two men in the men's group who are available to sponsor women that I know, Ore and Tim. Uh, sponsor women if women are looking for sponsors and uh, Jeff can put, um, share their numbers. Um, that would be great. They'd be happy to take your calls and um, perhaps direct you um, uh, to women who sponsor as well. There are some, Tim may have information on that as well. Okay, great. Uh, so uh, that concludes our uh, workshop today. We hope that everybody got something from it. We hope that you, uh, um, uh, uh, that you take something away from this, that you can help you start a sober reading plan. And we hope that you've taken away phone numbers uh, of people who can help you. Uh, now, do you want me, Adam, to give Ore and uh, Tim's number out now over the, uh, uh, you know, over the, the general meeting? Ore and Tim, speak up. Yeah, that's fine. Tim is cool, Ore? Yeah, I'm cool with it, bro. All right. Okay. So uh, that means I've got to go into my phone and look up their numbers, but hold on one second. Uh, Jeff? So, yes. I will stay on a few minutes so people can uh, collect numbers out of the chat. Okay, great. Uh, Tim's number is 323. Everyone hopefully has a pen and paper handy. 323-369-8048. And Ore's number is 310 Three eight four eight five eight one. My number is three ten two ten six four seven five. But warning you, I am on vacation, so I probably won't get back to you till the middle of the week. Uh, but uh, we can all, uh, any of us are willing to help you or willing to connect you with people who can help you. We do appreciate your spending the last two hours with us. We do hope you've got something from it. Uh, and uh, Adam, Tim, or Ore, is there anything else that, or even Bob S., is there anything you guys want to add before we say goodbye? Yeah, I'd just like to say that uh, if anyone had trouble down, we put the Soap Reading Principles uh, document in the chat as well, both as a file and a link. But if anyone had trouble getting the worksheet or, or the Soap Reading Principles document and would like it, they can email web at oasfvalley.org. I'm putting that in the chat right now. So uh, again, if you send an email to web at oasfvalley.org asking for either of the documents, I can email that back to you uh, in the near future. Thank you. Okay. And with that, we wish you all a wonderful Sunday, an abstinent and sober eating Sunday. And we hope that we've helped and we hope we can continue to help as we move on. But thank you guys very much for being here. We appreciate it and we uh, wish you uh, great success in working a sober eating plan.